Welcome to the Life Central Podcast, the podcast where we answer the big and the not so big questions as we seek to go deeper and wider in our journey with Jesus. Each episode, we'll be joined by a host of special guests who will speak life and wisdom into the topics that really matter. I'm your host, Debs Brennan, and on this episode of the Life Central Podcast, I sit down with our new assistant pastor, Gaz Blount, as he shares with us some of the key and inspiring moments of God at work in his life. So wherever and however you are tuning in, we're so glad you could join us. This is the Life Central Podcast. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to episode three of the Life Central podcast. It's the final one of 2023. I'm not quite sure where the last six months have gone, to be quite honest with you, but I can't wait for this festive season. It is hands down one of my favorite times of the year. I really love that it's a time that we can just slow down and spend time with the people that we love and most importantly, remember the incredible events of the birth of Jesus. To close out the year, I wanted to leave you all with an episode that will encourage and uplift you. So today is the very first of our testimony episodes. For the first one, I thought it would be a great opportunity to get to know the most recent addition to our staff team, Gaz Blount. Good morning, Gaz. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, good. Really good to be. I've never been on a podcast before, so this is loads of fun. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. Honestly, like when Andy and I sat down and uh, were planning these episodes for the podcast and I knew that you were going to be coming on to this episode, I got so excited and I'm just super stoked. So I can't wait. I really can't. Um, So those of you who have tuned into the podcast for the last few episodes, You'll know by now that we ask our guests a question at the top of the episode. Um, but rather than one question for you guys, today I've got okay. many. All right. Is that all right? Choice anxiety, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just wanted to do like 30 seconds of this or that question. Let's do it. Um, and just find out kind of your likes and your dislikes. You ready? Fantastic. Okay, here we go. Sweet or savoury? Savoury. <laughs> Hot or cold? Cold. Beach or city break? City break. PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation. Football or rugby? Football. Late nights or early mornings? Early mornings. Ooh. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Yes. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Apple or Android? I was thinking of the fruit then. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Apple. (laughs) Summer or winter? Summer. Dine-in or takeaway? Dine-in. Books or movies? Movies. Netflix or Disney Plus? Disney Plus. Nice. Online shopping or in-person shopping? In-person, definitely. Lovely. Outside or inside? Outside. Phone calls or text messages? Phone calls, definitely. Music or podcasts? (laughs) (laughs) Podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that was fun. That was great. (laughs) Love that. Um, Obviously, I'm very glad Mm. to hear that uh, you're a coffee lover. That yes. makes me very happy and I'm also more happy that now I've got to mention coffee on the podcast. So yes, that's great, right? we have indeed. <laughs> right then. Um, so uh, I've already said a few times on the podcast about how powerful our stories can be. I just love how we can reflect on and look back and see God in every moment, mm, big yeah. and small. Um, and it's one of the reasons I can't wait to hear your story, Gaz. And I'm sure our listeners can't either. So, as all good stories do, yes. let's start at the beginning. Why don't you share with us a little bit about uh, what life was like for you when you were little yes. um, and how your journey with God began? Absolutely. So, I guess the, the, the earliest memories for me and the things that characterize my early years was 
family life. So kind of raised in a, in a Christian home. My, my parents are pastors, have been for many, many years. They were of um, the church I grew up in, in Silly Oak in Birmingham. So I kind of grew up into church, it being all that I ever knew, faith, a lot of this frame of reference. I've got one big brother and a younger sister. So I was the middle child. Everyone says there's like a middle child syndrome. I still don't know what that is. Maybe I'm in <laughs> denial that I was a bit of a crazy sibling. Um, but yeah, church very much was a big part of our lives and family was really close-knit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember often being, I am quite competitive even now and um playing any sort of sports or activity with my brother, but him always wiping the floor with me because he was older and stronger and better than I was. Um, And that being really hard, like, I don't know why I would always go back to play him against tennis on holidays (laughs) and just get beaten. And it was terrible. (laughs) It was really was. (laughs) I do love him now and I would probably beat him at tennis. But um, it was, yeah, it was really good. And then actually, I think to the fact that we had this really rich and wide community as Mm. a kid. So I had... I got I had kind of a lot of friends because of church as well. That was something that was, again, just familiar, a little bit ingrained, really. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Mm. And so I just wanted to ask you, like, do you think being raised in a Christian home made a difference? Like, I know you don't have another frame of reference, but, you know, when people talk about I was raised in a Christian home, like, I, I just kind of want to know a little bit more about what that is actually yeah. like in the day to day, because I just don't, I just don't know. Yeah. I think the best way to, to describe it in as much as it being different was the things that were then normative. So prayer was normative, mm. whether it was even as simple as just before a mealtime we would pray or my parents would pray with me as I went to bed. Mm. Worship music was a big thing as yeah. a family we love music. I guess it's some of that kind of behaviour stuff as a kid as well that then parents would were trying to raise me in the ways of the Lord as it might yeah. say in the scriptures right and so there were things that I began to know as a bit of a moral compass as a as a mm. little boy mm. that came out of my parents being followers of Jesus um but yeah it's hard because I wouldn't have had anything to compare yeah, it to maybe yeah. until I was growing and then heard about how friends life maybe were different at school because they didn't come from faith homes or faith backgrounds Mm. Um, but it was mainly those things being normative I think that characterized it. So um, my next question for you guys is when did you make a decision for yourself having been raised in a Christian home and had you know your parents you know showing you the ways of the Lord as you put it when did you make a decision for God for you? The earliest and poignant memory I have of that was being in um, a house that we lived in on Hilltop Road in Northfield and going into my parents' bedroom and just being perching on like the side of the bed and I think just asking my dad and saying, hey, I, I want to pray this prayer. I guess I guess the prayer is symbolic of an inward decision yeah. and I began to grasp that yeah. and so I asked if I could pray this prayer to say, I want to welcome Jesus into my life and I want to choose to follow him. So that would have been that moment really, I guess, of saying yes to God and and, and pursuing that even as a boy. Mm. Um, but that then was met with, it's quite funny when I think about it, it was kind of like maybe, I think when you, you're young and maybe even sometimes now, you, the realisation of being saved by God is something that can take time. Mm. And so at any opportunity I'd have in church, I'd raise my hand and I'd be like, yes, I want to pray the prayer again. I want to say yes to Jesus. And it was really good. And so I do remember often throughout then being a little boy and as a young teenager as well, just responding to those moments of saying, yeah, I want to 
no God, I want to follow Jesus. Um, all right then. So I'm really interested in this part of your story that we're going to talk about now, as I am all of your story, of course, but um, this sort of adolescent period in your life in particular seems to have been, if I can say, a, a bit of a time of struggle for mm, you. Yeah. Um, and it isn't a direct parallel, of course, but it reminded me uh, a little bit about Jacob wrestling with God mm. in Genesis uh, 32. You know, there is a real strength that God clearly sees in you that he almost had to wrestle out of you. Um, and I know that you, in your adolescence, had encounters with the Holy Spirit. And I just wondered if you could share a little bit about about that with us. Is that all right? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess as I became older and grew into my teenage years, this, what I guess would describe as a bit of an inner dichotomy, this kind of pulling between two worlds became more apparent. And that was probably just because, as teenagers do, you ask questions, some of the big questions of life begin to come up. And then being in and around school with people, uh, with friends uh, who kind of weren't from faith homes or weren't Christians, you you kind of see these dual spaces, really. So uh, to the the one thing of encountering the Holy Spirit, uh, being in a Pentecostal church, there was a lot of moments of experiencing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So things such as maybe praying in tongues um, or people being prayed for, being filled with the Holy Spirit and that sometimes being uh, an overwhelming physical sensation for some people. So maybe they would cry. And so then, and that became real to me, actually. I remember there being moments where I I would feel emotional Mm. in maybe singing songs or praying or Mm. at the end of a service. Mm. And I began to believe that was the Holy Spirit that was kind of impacting my life mm. and there was these encounter moments and so those became frequent as well okay. yeah I guess the challenge was then I didn't feel or see that my life was changing and I understood at least when I would read the Bible although not always that disciplined with it that Jesus said that he came to give us life and life to the full yet it felt like I wasn't living this fullness of life uh, and that was confusing yeah, that was confusing. Um, I think being an adolescent is hard enough. Um, you know, we are trying to learn more about the world or becoming more aware about the world and more aware about ourselves and thinking about the kind of people that we want to be. And, and perhaps there is an added difficulty when you're a Christian adolescent mm. of knowing that you want to follow Jesus and trying to do the best of following Jesus and then also just being pulled in completely the opposite direction. Um, I just wondered if you could share a little bit about what your experience of that was like, about being pulled and, like you said, this this dichotomy of these two different, almost lives that you were... For sure. You know. For sure. I think in the first instance, there were things about the lifestyle of my friends who weren't followers of Jesus Mm. that were appealing. Right. If, it's, if I was to be really candid in hindsight, they they may have, I don't know, come from families who had a bit more money. So the idea of having more stuff was appealing because right. there, enjo- there is a level of enjoyment found in those things. Yeah. Um, there was the appeal of, I guess, the kind of popularity kind of thing, wanting mm. to have friends. We all want to feel loved, right? We all right. want to feel that. And so for me, as somebody who I'm probably more a bit of an ambivert now if that's even a thing but I very much um love friendships and did as 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 a young boy and a young man as well and so wanted to have friends wanted to be engaged and and therefore I would follow what they were gonna do so I was I was influenced by that because I thought well 
I've got to be around them and do the things they do to be their friends. And I want friendship. That was high on my priorities as a teenager. And so there was that pull. And that was that was enjoyable as well. I, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not as if it's completely without um, its positive impacts in one sense, because otherwise it wouldn't be. <laughs> it would be so simple, but it, but it yeah. isn't because there are things we desire as well. Um, I guess then how that fit in with my faith and the best way I would describe it is that I wasn't putting my faith into practice okay I wasn't putting it into practice Mm -hmm. so it remained for me as a teenager a an idea or a bit of a cognitive affirmation by that I mean I believed God was real I knew he was there but the invitation of Jesus is to follow him, right. which means doing something. Right. But I didn't do something. And yeah. in my experience, attending church once a week and youth club on a Friday wasn't the full picture of putting it into practice. Yeah. And so I wasn't, if you like, um, reaping the fruit of what it really means to follow Jesus yeah. as a teenager. Because I wasn't really all in. I really resonate with that. I, I became a Christian when I was 15. And so I, I really do. Mm. I see I see all those points because I see those points having played out in my life a little bit of work, uh, as well. But I also just see in you a real self-awareness as you've just been talking there of hey, I, I, like, I want to I wanna follow Jesus and I know I'm not. And, you know, so I, I, my next question for you then off the back of that. Um, is did you have a moment where you kind of just said enough is enough and I need to do something and something's got to change? Did that? Did you have a moment like that? I had quite a few moments okay. <laughs> like that, if I'm honest. Okay. It probably became clear to me when following those friends in some of their lifestyle choices and habits, in my pursuit of following them and them being an influence, essentially things just went a little bit sour in my own life uh and i guess it sounds like maybe a very heavy word but like it got a little bit destructive okay and that would make sense to me now on a little bit of a theological level that life Mm. without god tends just to go pretty badly right like at least that would be my deep conviction now that's what that's why jesus invites us into life with him because it leads to wholeness and healing and good relationships and restorative Mm. things so life without god does lead to the opposite in my experience there was then an accumulation of these moments that you asked about when enough was enough and that very much was kind of that began to lead me away from that and to seek to put into practice my faith in a, in a new way. So rather than just one moment, it was many moments of God just pushing you in the right yeah, direction. Yeah, definitely was. I love that. And you know what? I just love that God just doesn't give up, does he? Nope. He just keeps keeps poking and keeps pressing and keeps pressing you forward. And, you know, you look back on those moments and you're just so grateful that yeah. God just completely had a hand in your life, even when you weren't always rec- like being able to recognise yeah. it. And he did that in so many ways through some phenomenal people. I'll never forget, There's um, he's a minister now and his family is serving uh, the local church. Um, a guy called Mark Savage, who was my youth pastor. And he was so faithful to me. And it was one of the the greatest expressions of the love of God in him. Just like, he would just invite me over to his house for dinner after I'd like had a rubbish week and made some poor decisions. But he was just there and he would chat to me and listen to me and didn't try and fix my problems or even give me like a 10-step guide on how to be a better person. But he was just present and he was for years and he was 
a huge impact on on the turning point for me over those years. Um, so as you were kind of growing up, you shared with me as we were preparing for the podcast about like you not having any real clarity on mm. what you wanted to do. And so you kind of did everything. I did. And there I did. are some real, I mean, they are like the, I, I feel like they're polar opposites, the things <laughs> that you did. Um, so can you just share a little bit about how you kind of tried to explore that? Yes. So the first official employed job I had was at a funeral director's. <laughs> okay. So I was in sixth form at Bourneville Sixth Form College and our timetable enabled me to have uh, some afternoons off. And, and so because my dad was a pastor of a local church, he knew the director of the funeral okay, place yeah. just because of being engaged and serving yeah. them for families and people. And so there was this opportunity to go in and clean any of the big limousines, these like Jaguar limousines and hearses after school for a couple of hours and get some money from it. And so I would do that. So I'd go in and put them in the jet wash. I had to one time, I had to polish one of them, but like it took me like four hours. It was, really, it was a really long time. It was really detailed work and it taught me some patience, I think. Okay. And so anyway, as sixth form went on, I... I was really clear that I didn't want to go to university at that time. I didn't have a course I wanted to do. And I kind of saw it as like, well, I don't want to go and waste my time if I don't really know what I want to do. So I went on to be employed by them full time with a bit of an apprenticeship in business administration style things. And I was there for a good few months doing that. But it kind of ended being more as a funeral operative. So I've actually been to hundreds of funerals and served hundreds of families as being a funeral operative at the age of like 18, um, which was really crazy experience so you've you've had these encounters with the holy spirit as you've kind of been wrestling almost with god and you recognize that you're torn between who you kind of wanted to be and kind of mm. where you were yeah. you wanted to do something about it and i think that leads really well into the next bit that we're going to talk about and i think if you would call this section anything i think you'd label it am i really following jesus yeah that's a good way to put it i know this is something you really wanted to weave into the episode because from your notes it seems that um you know after the catalyst moment that we're going to talk about shortly this is a question that you seem to have repeatedly mm -hmm. asked yourself since then am i right yes yes it is yeah it'll be a frequent question what was that catalyst moment then, Gus? Yeah, so after I had been working in the funeral directors for six months, um, there was a really great opportunity with a family friend to work for an energy company. So I did that, went into some kind of ad administration side of things uh, and was there for, for about a year. And during that time, I was asking the question a little bit, well, what do I want to do in my life? I'm, I'm not really sure here. I then met with my then youth pastor at the time or kind of pastor who was just supporting me. And I just went for some breakfast. And he just said to me, he said, have you thought about going to Bible college? And immediately I was like, no, I don't think this is for me. I'm not quite sure that the um, the kind of formal ministry training to work in a local church is quite my thing. I then resided to say, well, I'll go to an open day and I'll check it out. And in the kind of seedling faith that I had as I was growing up, remember praying to God and saying, God, if this is of you, would you just help me to have a peace about it? And would it feel like a really wise choice mm -hmm. to do this? So I went to an open day, lo and behold, I really felt that peace and I did that. The catalyst moment for me in this was then I went to a young adults summer festival. Mm -hmm. And I remember being in the big top, big top tent that kind of <laughs> is a uh, part of a lot of these festivals, right? And 
I don't know. I don't even remember who the preacher was. I don't remember what we were singing. I don't remember any of that. But there was a there was an opportunity after it to respond. So it felt familiar to me because I feel like I'd been here before. I was like, okay, well, like, I feel like I'm about to go into Bible college. I want to make this decision mm. again. And something within me felt nudged and compelled to cry out to God and be like, God, I need you because I still feel this void. Right. I still feel this big gap. Mm. And it was a bit like, uh, I don't want to fill that gap going into this next season. It's mm. a new chapter yeah. that's coming around the corner. I really want to see a difference here. And so I remember closing my eyes and putting my hands out in front of me, just a, I guess a physical way of saying, God, I welcome you into my life. And I had the clearest words come into my mind that said, Gareth, I chose you and I choose you. Oh. And I just started crying. Wow. And I just had this sense that God really loved me, that I wasn't rejected, that I didn't need to look elsewhere for a deep affirmation in my inner life to move forward. And also in those words that there was a bit of a plan for the future or there was at mm. least this expectancy of hope. Mm. I think I'd felt a bit of a deficit of hope for a while. And that encounter with God that he loved me as I was and <clears throat> chose me to kind of just have life with him was, yeah, life-changing. Did you feel the void? Yeah. Yeah, I think I did. I think I'd probably been living in a little bit of a paradigm of I've got to do some stuff to get to God and there's nuance in that because yeah. there are some things that God asks us to do and we want to put these things into practice as I said earlier but as far as feeling like God was distant mm. that's what changed that's so he was good. closer than ever and so that then compelled me to want to change my life that's amazing that's really powerful. I love these. I love hearing these moments of where God just reaches down and touches people in a moment. Mm. Because then when you look back and you see how that moment kind of influences so much of what follows on. I just, I, well, I've had tears in my eyes just listening to that. So I really, <laughs> thank you for sharing that with us. That's okay. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this next bit um, because uh, we're going to talk a little bit about your lovely wife, Sophie, and a yes. little bit about your marriage journey and who doesn't love a good love story. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, for those of us who uh, don't know, uh, how did you meet her? Yes. So I headed off to Bible college and at the beginning of my second year, um, the freshers, as you would call them, even in Bible college, although it wasn't too crazy there, as you can imagine. It was like Weatherspoons and reading a psalm. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> as crazy as it got. And so um, the freshers turn up and Sophie was one of them. And I remember sitting in the canteen and as every love story goes, perhaps not all of them, but this one did anyway, she just caught my eye from across the room. Aww. And so being a bit bolshy and confident, as I was, and um, I went over and just introduced myself in a group and there was loads of us. And on the first uh, evening, then we were all just in the kind of student lounge, just chatting and we just chatted for ages. And there were other people there and we were talking about music and traveling and clothes. And it just really sparked this like, oh, she's really cool. 
and she is really cool and she remains to be really cool. But I was like, I'm going to spend some time with her. And I was pretty committed to do that. She would, she, I can't believe I'm saying this. She would say that I was like, I would stalk her, which is not true. She was like, Gareth, you would just pop up wherever I was. And I was like, that's not, that is not the reality, my wonderful wife. But was I intentional um, to want to get to know her and build a friendship with her? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Love uh, that so much. Um, I'm going to throw a really massive cliche in your direction go now. Go on. Um, so after this intentional time <laughs> yes. of spending time together, yeah. um, when did you know that Sophie was, in inverted commas, the one for you? When did you know that she was the right person for you? Yeah. I, I really found that difficult. I could answer the question could I see myself with Sophie in the future? Okay. And the answer was yes. Yeah. And that was really good. I think I remember my dad and my brother being like, if you can answer that question at this stage, guys, that's really good because it's not just for the sake of it. You yeah, see, you yeah, could be yeah. with Sophie for your life. Fantastic. And so actually, um, we had maybe been together nearly two years and it was, and then we, I was leaving Bible college. And so, um, in life changes, it was a good moment to ask the question of, okay, well, maybe are we going to get engaged and get married and, and kind of um, make this decision? And I remember feeling really nervous about this whole, like, is she the one? And I absolutely loved her. And it, it, it was all that kind of chaos of how do you make this decision? Mm, and I remember mm. asking a good friend and um, he just said to me something to the effect of love isn't just a feeling, it's a choice. Right. And so I kind of found that really helpful. Yeah. And so I resided within myself to say, okay, well, I'll choose to love Sophie. Yeah. And therefore, she's the one. I know we use it so much in just in culture and society, the whole thing of the one. But I'm not sure that I fully subscribe to the idea because actually you are choosing daily to love this person. Yes. And if you can say, I choose to love you daily for the rest of my life, then they are the person for you because Correct. you're choosing them to yeah. be the person mm. for you. It doesn't have to be, like you said, a feeling and this you know this concept of the one which is and that's a really good way to put it so yeah it wasn't it wasn't the one and it was how i felt it was the one i chose i love that come on and so that was really helpful for me in case there are people listening who are thinking about getting married or are preparing for marriage how did you prepare individually and together for marriage yeah good question the the biggest thing that helped us in preparation firstly patience mm. There is, uh, there can be an urge to want to make it happen really quickly. It's yeah. not wrong. It might work for some people. At least in our case, it was good just to be patient with it and to continue to grow and get to know one another mm. and to share moments of life together mm. that were good and that were bad and to build a picture of the reality of being in a relationship yeah. with one another. And then secondly was wise counsel. So we both just found people who were not just our own age and our pals, but who were older and who mm. had been married. Mm. And we would just ask them anything and everything over dinner, on the phone. And it was hugely beneficial. When you, I knew it was going to be dangerous to kind of fall into the little echo chamber of your own thoughts and processes in this. Yeah. It's such a massive life decision. Right. So we both just were like okay well we're gonna we're gonna talk we've got people we trust and we've got people we love and we know they love us and they've been married for so many years and they've gone through this or even um people who we love who were single as well we can still we were able to learn from them and ask them about just you know what i mean the wisdom of what it means to make this decision together and be prepared to 
choose to love one another and serve one another in in the shape of marriage so that was that was massively helpful and now that you are married do you think that you encounter god differently because you are yes in the way that it has shown me that i'm really selfish in so many ways mm. and there therefore presents an opportunity for me to live and love like God would. Mm, yeah. Like when Jesus invites us to husbands to love your wives as Christ loves the church, that's like a heck of a lot of grace so- and patience and and it's because it produces like goodness and flourishing and joy and hope. And so actually in we're actually married four years on Monday. And so it's our ah. anniversary on Monday of four years. And so throughout that whole time, I've I've the love of God has been magnified to me where I have not been so loving. And so I've always seek to, and sometimes I get it wrong. Sophie will tell you that. <laughs> but I always want to seek to direct myself more towards yeah, I want to love more like like God does. And that in turn is just revealed um, and helped both of us grow in our um, knowledge and awareness that God loves us as well. Um, I wanted to rewind just a little bit back to your catalyst moment and this moment where God tells you, I I chose you and I choose you. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to kind of weave that into your decision to go into full-time ministry I think you've achieved so much up until now when I was reading your notes I was like whoa and so I just like how did you how did you make that decision how did you make that leap into ministry it was definitely a multitude of decisions what began to shift in me was actually just a bit of a confidence that God did want me to work with him in loving others, caring for others, seeing, as we would say, his kingdom come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I had opportunity as an undergraduate student doing the youth track as part of my degree. We pioneered a youth ministry in Malvern. And so straight away, it was brilliant and I did it with some amazing people we were flung straight into not just the kind of theological study which I enjoyed and was a good experience but the practice of that stuff to actually lots of kids who were from unchurched backgrounds which was just super sobering because you can't use big fancy words and really we shouldn't and we can get a little bit caught up in it but it was actually saying how are we going to love these kids and how are we going to tell them the gospel Mm. and that God loves Mm. them and so I began to see how there were some strengths I had in this space. One of those was I find it and found it quite easy to engage in conversation and to listen to people and to be um, empathic towards some of these young people who were really struggling. And so I really began to build, without even seeing it, a great trust with them. And then it was through that journey that the leader of those things, a good friend, and he's been a mentor for many years, he kind of called out in me. And that, that was, that's a big thing. I think for anybody in where God wants us and has things for us in our lives, 
it really helps when other people identify it and other people say, hey, I see that in you and you are good at that and yeah. build your confidence and are encouragers. And he did that with me. And so, but then what was really good and I found it difficult at the time was he would push me and he would stretch me. So he would, we did a segment called the comfy chair which they even use now at Limitless Festival stuff. And it was a bit of a hosting and we would host stories and we would host interviews with people. And so then I got to use communication skills and managing this and how that engaged with the room and good questions for these kids to reflect on. So I began to grow a bit of a skill set in some of those areas that can apply to local church ministry as well as other spaces. And from that point, really, I then just became a bit more confident and seeing some of that as well. So that was definitely the early stages for me of growing in the kind of ministry decision as well. Sometimes we do just need that encouragement, don't we, of, hey, you are you are this and you're great at this. Because actually, if like I'm in my own private space, I, there is no way I'm going to be speaking that over myself. And so even when I don't have the the strength almost to do that I'm just so grateful that God gives us these people and God himself speaks this these this life into us um that we don't always see in ourselves um if you look back like how do you see God preparing you for this ministry journey because actually like if you we look back on like childhood experiences and adolescence yeah. like I feel like it's giving you some real life experience to speak into young people's lives because you've been through the difficulties yeah. of a young yeah. person like how how has God How's God yeah. done that for you? Hindsight's a wonderful thing, right? Isn't it? Um, as I began after that real encounter with God to spend time with him uh, in the good days and the bad days of that, when sometimes it feels like he's really there and you're on cloud nine, other times it doesn't, that just begins to build faith and it begins to build a kind of a resilience and a trust in God. And so then when there were opportunities, if you like, in the public space, it was the private discipline that sustained that because I was able to speak confidently about the way that I felt God was with me because I'd been experiencing it to young people. And so, and I believe it to be true for anybody, not only in the kind of formal church ministry, but ministry that we know that's in the context of other workplaces, you know what I mean, as nurses and doctors, as accountants, as business people, it's all ministry, but it is the private space with God that upholds those. Wow. That's really, really powerful. As we think about wrapping up the episode, um, if you could share with us your favourite passage of scripture, your favourite Bible verse, and just before you read it to us, um, to explain a little bit about why it's your favourite. Yes, so this Bible verse would be a bit of a recent fave for me. And it came out of a place of just reorientating myself to be reminded of who God is and what he's done for me and for humanity but what's cool is it, it, it in psalm one the author invites us to meditate on scripture day and night because then we'll become it says like a tree planted by streams of living water mm. and it's how it seems hard to describe but this is for what it happened i ended up basically taking months like every morning just reading the same scripture mm. and it really did that i just wanted to allow it to sink deeply into my kind of soul mm. and for it to bring about flourishing and a, a fresh frame of mind and so the scripture is psalm 103 and it says this praise the lord my soul all my inmost being praise his holy name praise the lord my soul and forgets not all his benefits 
who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Gaz, thank you so much for all that you have shared with us today, for being humble and honest and open. I found it really inspiring and at times emotional. Um, And I hope that everyone who tunes into the episode feels the way that I do right now. Um, Listeners, don't forget, uh, we've got our big weekend coming up on the 16th and the 17th of December with our Jingle Jam and Christmas Remix events. Check out our socials or lifecentralchurch.org.uk for more details. And one final thing, if you've been inspired by Gaz's story today and you feel that you have a testimony of your own that you could share, then please get in touch with me. I have such a heart for people's stories and I would love to have you on the podcast uh, in 2024. But until then, have a blessed Christmas, all of you, and a fantastic new year. Our next episode comes out on January the 1st. It's a blinder. You do not want to miss it. Um, But until then, bye. 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 (laughs) 